lot of people regarded Bebop Deluxe as, as an out-and-out -out rock band, an inventive rock band for the mm -hmm. time, mm -hmm. but uh, nonetheless still a fairly straight mm -hmm. rock band. But you've gone off at such a tangent since then. Did you always have that in your mind, that, that this wasn't for you, you were, were going to go on to, uh, to different things, more experimental things? I, I, the strange thing is that I never actually saw Bebop Deluxe as just a rock band, you know? It, it was always, in my mind, a little bit more perverse than the way it was sold to the public. One of the things that was difficult for, for, for Bebop back in, in the day was that we weren't any one thing, you know? We weren't easily labelled. I listen to any kind of music and enjoy it, you know, and, yeah. and all those influences are all mixed up in what I do. So it, that can be confusing for some people because they want to hear it just go down a straight path, you know, um, heavy metal, death metal, whatever. Welcome everyone, this is another episode of That Record Got Me. Hi, I'm your host Rob Elba, it's great to have everyone here. Uh, before anything else I want to mention we have a new patron once again. I'd like to welcome Eric Arbach to the Patreon family. Don't forget if you want to become a patron, uh, all you got to do is go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh and you can become a patron of the show like our new patron Eric. Okay. We are here in my home in Sunrise, Florida, and I have a guest that drove down from Boca Raton, right? Mouth of the Rat, uh, Boca Raton, Florida. And I'd like to welcome to the show, first time guest, Bill Burns. Welcome to the show, Bill. How you doing, Rob? Thank I'm you. I'm doing good. So Bill, you're, Bill's one of these guests where, uh, you know, he started listening to the show, became a fan of the show, and then mentioned a band, said, hey, would you ever think of doing this? And then I said, well, why don't you come on and do it? And uh, and then that's how this ended up uh, happening. That was a while ago, right, that you first, uh, because I, we do we book well in advance. January. So, uh, before we get into the band, just real quick, I know, like I said, Bill, I know nothing about you. Once again, I always, I invite people to my home. I don't know who you, you could be like <laughs> some crazed serial killer. I wouldn't know that, but you're, I, I think I, I got a good vibe, so I think we're okay. No, I, I gave up serial killing okay. a few years you're ago. You're wearing a very cool shirt. You're wearing a Brian Jonestown Massacre t-shirt, so I know already you have eclectic, going by that and the album you picked, you have eclectic taste in music. So what's your story? Are you a are you a Florida guy, or did you end up down here? Uh, nope, I'm originally from Massachusetts. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, and uh, worked in uh, Newport, Rhode Island for a while, and then I got a transfer to West Palm Beach about 20 something years ago. Uh, I'm an engineer for the Navy, and uh, in West Palm Beach. Oh, nice. And uh, I just uh, still listening to music as much as I can. Yeah. So you're a, you're a music guy. Are you a musician at all, or just a music lover? No, I'm just a music lover. I, I did try to play guitar as a kid, and it just didn't work out. And I picked one up a little while ago, and I don't know. That's good. You know what, Bill? That's my story. And I played bands for thirty years, but I tried to play guitar, and, and it, it didn't work out for me either. So there you go. I, I we need, have similar. Stuff. I need to I need to pick it back up. Yeah. All right. So what is the album, uh, band, and album that we're going to talk about tonight? Uh, Bebop Deluxe Sunburst Finish uh, and I have a confession to make go ahead do it uh, you know I'm not sure if it was the record that got me high 
I think it might have been the Thai stick we smoked ahead of time oh, that okay. actually well, did but it. You, so, but that, <laughs> but that, it's a confession. I'm sure <laughs> over the years, though, you would have if, if it was only that, you would have realized it. And then uh, so I'm sure there was it was more than that. That probably helped. Right? It, it did help. Yes, it did yes. help. <laughs> so I wasn't not I I didn't not know about uh, Bebop uh, Deluxe. I'll be. Uh, I knew them from Bill Nelson uh, later. Like, I was first uh, introduced to Bill Nelson from Red Noise, which was the band he formed after this. Uh, Bill Nelson's Red Noise, which is that that album is really hard to get now. You can't find it anywhere. It's not on Spotify. It's not on YouTube, really. Uh, Bill Nelson's uh, Red Noise, and I, and I'm mad because I had it at some point, and uh, I've, of course I don't have it anymore. And uh, but this is the third studio album of Bebop Deluxe, which was Bill Nelson's band before that, right? Released in uh, February 1976. Yes. Yep. So that's correct. Did you were you a fan of uh, Bebop Deluxe, or did you discover them from this record? Uh, I discovered from this record. Uh, I went to school in '79. And, uh, you know, everybody's got all these different tastes and stuff. And, you know, this guy's like, hey, you got to check this out. I remember he gave me uh, this one. I, I knew David Bowie, but I hadn't heard uh, Ziggy Stardust. So I got that. Okay. Um, I had uh, I had Roxy Music Stranded. This guy basically had all the other Roxy Music records, oh, okay. except for that yeah. one. So uh, his name was Paul Contino, just so I can get it out there. And uh, so he gave me this record, and I was, like, just blown away, you know, because at the time... You know, this just fit in with, with everything that I was listening to. I wasn't really that much into punk rock, into new wave, but, right, right. Um, you know, it's Bill Nelson's guitar, I think, is what, uh, yeah, you know, right. pushes us over the edge. That's or it, makes for it, sure. Makes it so much better. And I, I, I told my brother I was going to say this, is so when I came home for the first time, I brought all these records. And so to my young brother to, to get turned on to, and uh, he did, he doesn't remember, but I know he loved this one. Uh, he didn't like Frank Zappa when I brought that back. But, oh, okay. uh, yeah. He <laughs> liked same. same. He, he liked, <laughs> yeah, but uh, and, and you know, I, I and then I, the more I thought of it, uh, you know, those I, in my mind, the first four uh, Bebop Deluxe records, which was the regular rock and roll band, uh, just sound as good today to me as they always did. And uh, you know, I got to thinking. You know, I'm always listening or looking for new music, and I, maybe I'm sure there are other people out there. I know you guys did the uh, Pretty Things back. You know, right, another right. pretty obscure band that yep, somehow right, I was right. able to stumble in on. But so I think this is in that same, you know, uh, same vein. Is it? Uh, uh, you know. Yeah, I think so. And and I think you're right. Listening to this this week, I realized, wow, it really doesn't sound dated for 1974. It still sounds like pretty fresh and pretty modern. And uh, yeah, a lot of it is his uh, guitar playing and also uh, songwriting too. Which I guess I guess this album he maybe kind of concentrated more. On the songs and not so much uh, jamming. On the, you know, they're like shorter songs maybe than some of the earlier records, right? Yeah, and, and it seemed to be maybe a little more, a little less technical flash, which I was, I was listening to the first record when I came in. 
and uh, which is fantastic too. Uh, axe victim. He came to watch the band. Record. Yes, is, right, uh, right, right. Very, very good. Very strong. I think the second record, uh, then this one, and then the fourth one uh, was Modern Music. But there's still some good songs on that one too. Yeah, but this and this one had their their uh, biggest hit. I think they're only like real hit song, right? Ships in the Night. Ships in the Night. Yeah, Ships in the Night, which was kind of a, a, a hit song for him. And I don't know. I was trying to think what it is like. Why, uh, you know, it, it, who's to say it's, you never can say why some bands break out and why they, some bands uh, or artists uh, remain more obscure. Um, I don't know what it is because he's got a really, he has a really good voice, very similar. Uh, now, tell me if you agree, uh, he reminds me a lot of Adrian Ballou, both in his singing and his playing. Still by the window Like the rain that's falling, she waits in the air. I take to Yes, yeah, I, I hadn't thought of that. Um, yeah, the, the voice isn't the strongest voice in the world, right? But it, right. But it doesn't put you off, like no, no, because it's very pretty and melodic, right? Yeah, which is the same way like Adrian Ballou. He's got like a interesting voice and everything, but not like a powerhouse singer or right. anything, or not some weird like Brian Ferry's can turn people off with his vocal as you know. I've heard people like eh, exactly. I like yeah. the music, polarizing, I not polarizing, but maybe in a way sometimes maybe that's why because then it just becomes like oh a pleasant, but not some someone that's polarizing. The people that love it will really love it, you know. And and when I th I always say when I think about it, some of my favorite singers aren't traditionally great singers. Right, but exactly. I just yeah. love their voices, you know. But but they were pretty, you know, they were pretty big big in England and and actually right. Ships well, in of the, course they were bigger in England. Yeah, yeah. and 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 I can. At the end, I was going to talk about how they're touring and they're, you know, getting to America. That they had trouble. You know, well, when they got to America, he it didn't turn out to be what he expected. Oh, right. It was right, filled right. with sleaze balls and and or he didn't see the the real America. And then the other thing is, is America is so big compared to England. Yeah. That right, uh, right. you know, you go to every different place and they're into different music. And uh, but they did, you know, uh, tour a bunch of times. They opened up for like Tom Petty, Leonard Skinner. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> I, I got the other ones here. I was going to talk uh, about that at the end. That's so. awesome. And uh, and the album, uh, like I said, the album sounds really great. And I guess uh, I was reading that he wanted to produce it himself, but the labor uh, label offered John Lecky, who was a tape operator who worked on the uh, Beatles solo albums, like all four Beatles solo albums. And, you know, was making the leap to producer. And then he went on to produce like Simple Minds and XTC and Radiohead, too. So I think uh, that that also helps the fact that the record, like I said, sounds so fresh and doesn't sound dated at all for something that it was in like 1974. No, and, and the second album was produced by Roy Thomas Baker. Oh yeah, that's who, right, uh, that's right. Who produced Queen yeah, and, then, yeah. and then The Cars. And then The Cars, But, yeah. but they didn't like him. Uh, they said it was, he was like, it was like a schoolboy atmosphere, which I guess English schoolboy. And Bill said that one time he asked him to turn up his headphones and Roy turned it up to like 11 and almost blew his eardrums out. So oh, they were, okay. So they, were, they weren't too happy with uh, Well, with I him. mean, Bill Nelson seems to me the kind of guy that's 
very serious, very serious about his music and knows what he wants and knows what, you know, what he wants to get. So he's probably not going to suffer a producer telling him what to do so much, you know, uh, which maybe Roy Thomas Baker maybe was like that. Yeah, you know, kind of a sensitive now. soul in a little bit, too. Uh, oh, really? It seemed like, yeah, like it seemed like the when they were touring the rest of the band, they were out, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll. And uh, he, he held back a little bit. He wasn't, oh, well, uh, he I kind of get crazy. that in, in when, when we talk about the songs and I'm digging into the lyrics a little, I kind of get that from his lyrics, too, that that's uh, that's the way he was. All right. So before we get into the songs, I just want to point out that Bill Nelson is still around. He's still with us. He's like 74, I think. I was very happy to see that he has a Bandcamp page, which is uh, BillNelson.Bandcamp.com where he, he's got tons of releases. Not Bill Nelson's Red Noise is not available on there, but it's, there's tons of stuff. So if you want to, if you like this and you want to check out more of Bill Nelson, tons of music on his band camp and it's great because whatever you buy there, it's, re, it's reasonable and it's all going to go, you know it's going to go to him. Right. Yeah, in fact, I did just recently look on YouTube and there's a, a video of him today with the producer, the engineer, John Leckie, whatever his name was, yeah. talk, talking about the record. Oh, nice. And, uh, talking about this record. Yeah. And, oh, it, okay. and it's so, you know, you, again, you, you picture him as this clean-cut, fresh-faced guy. Yeah. Well, he's he's an old guy like us now. He's, you know, oh, okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's an old crank. <laughs> you'd, yeah. never, you'd never recognize him. <laughs> Your little right. goatee, gray hair. All right. So let's get into this record. Uh, let's do the first song. It's called Fair Exchange. guitar riff which he's great at coming up with these parts that kind of stick in your head and get it and then the songs don't go necessarily in a linear way there's like stops and starts and they change directions and stuff and he's really good at that you know putting that all together in a, in a little a four minute song you know and that's where the like, it's sort of a prog rock kind of feel there is, to yeah, it yeah there's definitely prog through this all there is a, a prog but it rocks to it. And, and actually it was rocks. occurring to me the other day is that it's maybe even almost like a white denim if you've, if you've ever heard of them. Oh, yeah. You know what? I did. Be, I'm trying to remember the other episode we did. White Denim. Who brought in White Denim? It might have been the first mixtape episode we did, but there was a White Denim song, and I never, I had never really known about them before that, but I did. Yesterday was an accident on the street where they held hands. They were looking for their hearts. They were there from the start. And, and some of their early stuff and, and their prog stuff, I had seen him and asked the guy, well, what prog stuff? And he said King Crimson. But the, this 
click to me more. And White oh, Denim right. is is a pretty they they're good. You you should check them out. They're oh White yeah, Denim no, I, I did. Oh, okay, like yeah. I said, I took a, a little bit of a dive with them. Uh, yeah. All right, so here's what I was saying about the lyrics, though. He goes, uh, here we come in a cloud, stars in our eyes, standing up proud. It's a perfect disguise. We've got so much to give, so much to gain. Just give me your money and I'll give you my pain. It's a fair exchange. So he's not the kind of guy that's going to write a straight-up love song or something. This is kind of like a relationship as a, a transactional thing or or as things being transactional, you know? Which that, uh, to me, it seems like the kind of guy that he is. He's going to be more analytical about things as opposed to his pure emotion. Well, uh, on this, it seems like the first three albums start with a song having to do with, like, touring and music so the first oh, song okay, had axe okay. victim i'm trying to figure out the name of the second song but this is more of touring oh, right, and the groupies right. kind of a thing well yeah right. Right. the groupies and it's a fair exchange a fair yeah, exchange yeah, exactly. i'll give you my you give me your body i'll give you my brain it's a fair exchange so right uh, and this uh, like i said right from the start adrian Ballou is what i think of the way he sings because um and and i i think they came up like around the same time but i have to imagine adrian blue is is a fan of his just because he's such a great guitar player and they have very similar styles so you would think they'd be fans of each other probably i need to check that out again i did listen to him a long time ago and i recently saw adrian blue when he got together with the talking heads he was in that the band there yes. for a while yeah, right, right and uh, but he didn't really sing but he he can oh, thrash he can that play. guitar he really can and I, I, speaking of that, a lot of these songs have really great outro leads that he does. So I'm going to play some of that underneath, like during the episode, I, I have to, because, you know, we, we listen usually to the beginning of songs, but a lot of his songs, he sort of just comes out with this like really great lyric little, but also shredding lead, you know, yep, yep. that's great. And sometimes the drummer gets involved too. There's a, the rest <laughs> of the band will get in, involved with those. Yeah, but we should, also. actually, we should mention, uh, besides Bill Nelson, you got Andy Clark, uh, who came who came for this record on keyboards and basically stayed with him throughout. And I think he was with him in Bill Nelson's Red Noise too. Yeah, I got. I didn't realize, I, I concentrated on the first four records, so I didn't, I couldn't, you know, stick with this. But yeah, Andy Clark, that's yeah, right. Yeah, he stayed. Yep. And then Charlie uh, Tumahai. Tumahai, yep. Tumahai on correct. bass yep. and backing vocals. And Simon Fox on drums. Right. One one little interesting thing. So he had his, 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 when, his when he first got together, his first band uh, was um, three guys that were like minors. Or, you know, he's from uh, Yorkshire or, York, you know, some yes. place, wherever. And uh, so the three guys he had with him were big, burly guys. And when they first started, they would wear makeup because it was glam. And uh, once, and Sunburst finishes a fantastic record, but the the record company didn't like the band. And then he eventually got to the point where they weren't proficient enough for where he needed to go. Oh, wow. So we got a second band that he he kept for like a month. And then this is the third band. Ah, okay. And, well, like I said, he was mm, definitely probably mm. a perfectionist and he probably knew what he wanted. It, yep. So, uh, all right, let's hear the second, a really pretty and very interestingly arranged songs. Let's listen to Heavenly Homes. <laughs> Thank you. 
because I know you're, you're not a musician, so you may not have noticed it. But this song's got a very interesting arrangement because all the verses and the bridges are stacked at the beginning of the song. And the chorus, like the chorus didn't even come up yet. It's not, it's chorus is right at the end when the chorus finally comes in. So I'm going to play that underneath now coming in. But the actual chorus only comes up once and right towards the end, right before the outro, outro lead, which is really a cool, and, and it's not necessarily something you would notice jumping out, but it just, he had a very different, he has a very different way of uh, putting songs together. You know? I, I think I noticed that with uh, Life in the Air Age. The oh, okay. chorus yeah, doesn't come yeah. to the end. Yeah, he I didn't notice that. that in this yeah. one. Yeah. Which he, he plays around with, because obviously he's not into just, uh, you know, he's not a guy that's just going to write pop, so like three-minute pop songs, although maybe that's up, uh, at that time, I'm sure record labels were like, where's the, where's the hit, you know? <laughs> but speaking of that, where's the hit, this, and it's cool because this song, when it ends, do you notice it kind of bleeds right into the next song? which this was their biggest commercial hit, but not a surprise. He says uh, it's his least favorite track on the record. <laughs> I saw a quote where he said he, that. He wrote, it, he wrote it to be a hit. And he, he wrote does, it he, to be a he hit. Wrote, and, and he thinks that there's a, a, a song on the, the second record that should have been the uh, hit, uh, uh, Made in Heaven. There's a song Made in Heaven on the second. He thinks that one should be a hit. But, oh, I, okay. but I listen, and even that Heavenly Homes, that sounds like a could be a hit. There's a, there's a couple songs I'm going to do, but this also is a great, is a great song. So let's listen yeah. to it. We'll discuss more. Let's listen to Ships in the Night. <laughs> It's a 
good song, but you could hear he was trying to write a hit with it, right? Yes, Poppy. Yes. So it does kind of stick out on the record as uh, compared to everything else, uh, in a way. And also, his brother, his younger brother Ian, is playing sax on this one. Ian Nelson. Yes, and I think the lyrics are a little too. I mean, they're good. Like but a it's, sailor with uh, no oceans, like a bird that has no wings. Yeah, they're yeah. very love songs. Like Square said, peg in a round hole. Not yeah. like his normal mm. lyrics, so it kind of sticks yeah. out from the rest of the record, right? Yes, yeah, yes, it does. I think it. I agree, it does too. It, in a, I just mean in a good way. I, I remember the first time I heard it. That's the you know you remember that song. Oh yeah, right. First, right. first of all of them. So. Yep, and I guess in uh, in England especially, it was a uh, number twenty three. Uh, yeah. yeah, a legitimate hit song, which is great. Uh, one thing I noticed, which you'll hear a lot on here also, that he was a Bowie fan. He was a fan of Bowie. And you hear that in his music. The way his, his delivery, his vocal delivery, even though he's not, you know, like you said, he doesn't maybe have as powerful a voice. But the difference between him and Bowie, I feel like he's got, they both have that detachment, the cold detachment thing. But Bowie's detachment is like an affectation sometimes, I feel like. I feel like you still feel, you do feel the more of the warmth and everything underneath it, where uh, Bill Nelson is very more precise and analytical, and maybe that cold detachment doesn't doesn't cut through the way Bowie's had a way to. Yeah, and I, and I looked at more of that. I did, you know, I didn't even make that Bowie connection until I, I looked at this book and started looking into it. Right. But I was reading the first, I was listening to the first record coming in, and the music, y- you could tell, is very David Bowie. Yeah, uh, right, right, uh, right. Uh, Mott the Hoople kind of a thing. Yes, yes. Uh, but it really didn't occur to me at the time. But he plays so well, you 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 can, you know, I don't say forgive him or you, no, you overlook well, it. Yeah, not even has to be. I didn't want to. I didn't want to frame it as a bad thing or anything. Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, a lot of people were influenced by him, and he takes that. But it's just I, I'm trying to figure out the the, the difference in the way they c- come across. You know, the way it comes across. Yeah. And uh, no, this is great. I enjoyed, it. especially this next one. This is a really pretty song, "Crying to the Sky," that sort of maybe gives also a peek into maybe the how he's maybe we struggle to relate to people. I, I get that sort of in this one. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of Crying to the Sky. Troubles, I like a man I want. 
really pretty, but I, I know a, what you're thinking, <laughs> what you're going to say. The lead, right? The, the killer guitar solo. <laughs> oh, it's so, because the thing is, his lead playing is so lyrical and beautiful. For me, it's got the, that's where the emotion comes from, is his guitar playing. So I'm going to play it. Yeah. Uh, the, it's just a magnificent lead that sort of takes you out to the end of the song, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, it may even be two little sections. And, is, and he, was a, he yeah. was a big Hendrix fan. Uh, oh, so that's that where, makes sense. That and then makes sense. before that, he was a fan of the Shadows, uh, Apache. Um, it was an instrumental group. Oh, really? Um, okay. Hank Marvin, I think, is the guitar player's name, but uh, the the song is Apache anyway. The Shadows. came that was where we really uh you know like okay. that and you can see the connection and he said that this song was like a wind cries mary or little wing kind of a kind yes. of a thing and you see that because at the end the song's called crying to the sky it literally sounds like he's his guitar is crying to the sky right y- yes 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 it's yes. beautiful and it's actually it's about his divorce his, his first wife was a, a pentecostal uh kind of very religious uh, oh. woman oh. and uh she eventually at one point decided that she didn't like him touring so he came home one day and she was smashing his guitar oh no uh, yeah <laughs> needless to say that was the uh yeah no, <laughs> end of the marriage the, uh, yeah that was uh, that uh, no good yeah this is a guy that mm-hmm. loves obviously loves his guitars. He puts his guitars on his albums. He always has the guitars on there. Yeah, right? Oh yes, yes. That, um, all right. I love this next song. Probably one of my favorite songs on the record. Uh, I just think it's just like a really, just a really great song. Oh. We could talk about it. Let's listen to it. Uh, Sleep that burn. <laughs> everything while the song's playing but uh there's a couple of things going on with the guitars first of all at the beginning that no 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 that sounds like a guitar that's not a guitar that's a mellotron which is a keyboard that triggers uh triggers loops of recorded uh, taped instruments and it's like uh they used it in the beatles um strawberry fields forever 
It's that instrument, so it sounds like a guitar, but it's not. But then that uh, the trills, the guitar trills he's playing. You know, you told me about um, from Futurama, the song "Made in Heaven." Yes, "Made in Heaven" has that he's he's sort of borrowing from that and doing that little that, that um, trill, guitar trills part. That's the beginning. It's also at the beginning of that. Okay. Yep. Yep. So he he does he has uh, things uh, motifs that he goes back to and that he does. They're just right. Like, they're great. They're amazing. I mean, he was such a good guitar player. And not, is such a good. And not so player. many that you you notice them without really thinking about no, it. No, no, no. Of course not. No, yeah. no, not. But uh, it's so good. And yeah, this song. I just I I love this song. It's like this song. It rocks. Earworm. It, it rocks. It, it's it, an earworm yeah, for me. Definitely. For sure. And you know, it, and it's sort of, uh, and also again, it's got this like bridge, like a flamenco sounding like bridge, and then you've got this outro lead again, this magnificent, which I'll play again, outro of the song. That's why these songs, you really, you gotta listen to the whole song, <laughs> or oh, the whole record. I say the whole record is solid. It's, record. it's yeah, solid. It is. It's totally solid. Um, and now, and also, there's a lot of. Uh, he's playing obviously all his electric guitars, but acoustic. So there's a lot of twelve string acoustic. And a lot of acoustic guitar going on here. And this next one's got a really pretty uh, acoustic interlude. Let's listen to Beauty Secrets. Hand me my costume. Please won't you pass me my mask. I have appointments that I must keep. My past. Bring on the cabaret, we can all have a laugh. I've made the theater of the absurd at last. Drink up and let's go home. Dinner is on the Amidst all those pretty acoustics, there's some interesting lyrics going on there. Uh, drink up and let's go home. The the demon is on the phone. He's playing a dialing tone. So drink up and let's go home. So what's what's the song about? It's it's about his the the grind of the music industry. You know, right. hand me my mask. I'm a you know the theater of the absurd is right. also about his divorce. Ah, so it's just kind okay. of his uh, you know the pressure of uh, or the, the 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 downside of of being a rock star. I guess is right. Uh, is right. What it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's great. I love, yeah, um, the, the lyrics are good. Uh, we could pretend there's a stage. I'll be your hero only as long as I'm paid. Yeah, that, that's exactly, <laughs> exactly. that. And, yep. and they hadn't even got to America yet where they really, you know, uh, became disillusioned. Oh, so, okay. They, yeah, well, America will do that mm-hmm. to you. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty disillusioned with America <laughs> these days, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we get another one that's got a typically like really intricate musical intro, 
And then uh, this is like a, a future song, which he was very he was a very future looking guy, right? Yes, he was big into airplanes and rockets. And as a kid, he, he read comic books on, uh, I don't know, whatever the English guy is, Johnny Dare or something. So, yeah. And in oh, fact, okay. you'll see on a few of these records, there's always some, you know, Jets at Dawn is another one. Uh, so, right, right. Future, future. Yeah. Well, this is, uh, this is, he's singing about life in the area. sounds very 70s to me this one does you know it's got that it, it, it just it has that vibe like it almost could be like a like a yes song or something in a way yeah maybe yeah with different vocals you know right before yeah a rocking yes song now uh, i was gonna ask you did you like did you keep up with him after bebop deluxe like were you a, a bill nelson fan or did you kind of yeah, move on I, to other things i i moved on but i did i i found i remember i bought the the fifth record uh drastic plastic okay uh which i listened to as part of this it you know he changed the sound as as uh you know new wave and stuff came in he put in right. more keyboards and that's when we went to bill nelson uh, red noise right and i do have a red noise and i may even have that record that you're talking about bill nelson's red noise I, I, with the robot it has like a robot on the cover the, i remember it was white and there was a red square on no, it i don't um, that's not the one i'm thinking okay of. so i have to my records are semi-accessible oh, okay. but uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> uh but i have to check that and then uh and then that was it i think i was so in, enraptured with these with these ones that uh they, they really stuck with me more than the uh yeah. the later ones yeah no so, well that's cool and it's still it's still amazing i mean there's a lot of people that uh i haven't hardly had anyone doing this show for like we're going on five years i can't remember if anyone that's why when you mentioned hey do you thinking about doing a bebop deluxe uh, <laughs> album i'm thinking i said yeah you better do it if you want to <laughs> do one because no one's mentioned yeah. it before well you can introduce introduce me as the uh, you know the biggest bebop deluxe fan in uh, west boca or something i'm sure that's probably accurate that's maybe probably only accurate. actually now all right this next one like an old blues i don't know if you thought of this but just listen to it in your head even if you think it's nutty elton john early 70s elton john think of uh, elton john singing this song here okay. and let me know what you think all right like an old blues <laughs> Thank you. 
pictures you said were strange Out of tune, out of key It's such a shame that you never quite see You always put the blame on me I'm like an old blues that you never use Going out of style and it's not worthwhile anymore Anymore But uh, yeah, so you're saying this was another divorce song? Another, <laughs> another song about his divorce, and then he's got a, a harmonica solo at the end. With him? So, yeah, with him, and him playing, yeah. Wow, what a talented yeah. guy. You know, I'm normally good with picking out you know, the you know, uh, influences of other groups, but yeah. for some reason I, I'm like blinded with this one. I, I, can't, I see it now. Yeah, but, but, but I, you, it's probably because you're so close to it, and yeah. you just know it as Bill Nelson. You're like, oh, okay, that's yeah, Bill Nelson. That's, but yeah. me, having never heard the song before, yeah. I can go to, well, what is that? sound because that's always the first thing i try and grab onto it what is it you know what does that sound like but it's like i said it's great and uh i appreciate the fact that this album even though it's all him and it's very much of him it's there's it's uh, very different the song goes the songs go in different you know places and uh and it's not just uh, samey samey at all. It's just a really good, interesting album to listen to. Yeah, yeah. and it's not like other prog rock where it's slow and meanders and it switches I know, and it's too flashy. Thing. It's, that, that's the thing because uh, I'm not. You know, it, it's just like anything. I could say like I would say. You know, if, if you held a gun to my head, I'd say no. I'm not really a fan of prog, but I like a lot of prog leaning type things. I like a lot. So you know, who's to say? I'm uh, genres don't really mean much anymore. They're, they shouldn't. Uh, right. That's what I've learned doing this podcast. If I learned anything, uh, it's that genres are bullshit. Uh, all right. So now we get. Uh, speaking of proggy, though, the lyrics in this one are very proggy. I think, and his delivery too. Uh, this is probably the most prog uh, song on the record, I think. Uh, let's listen to Crystal Gazing. The man who all the heartache that lived on the stairs Pass me in the night, whistling memories of you, 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 I stand, too frightened to move, for fear my eyes shone a light. The darkness he drew like a cloak all around its shoulders. And the church on the corner marked the time for the mother. Child across the hall, and I waited, half in anger, half in sadness, for an answer. 
No, I do. Well, it's funny. Is the 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 book here says that was it was like a snow slow globe snow globe looking at the city, and then on that thing he said it was like Peter Pan flying over the city, and that's how he that's how he wrote the song. Uh, But the record was recorded at uh, Abbey Road Studios. Oh, that's right. We didn't mention uh, that. Yeah, and uh, and and this one had an orchestra where I think in a couple of these they went into Studio One, which is I guess the giant studio at Abbey right. Road. And that's where the guitar solo for Crying to the Sky was was recorded ah, is in Studio One. Okay. But uh, this record also has uh, David Mason, is, who is the guy who played the trumpet on Penny Lane, the oh, piccolo trumpet. Really? Yes. And uh, the, the other interesting thing, so at the same time that they was at Abbey Road, Paul McCartney was at Abbey Road, recording wings at the speed of sound oh wow and uh at one point um it said that uh, bill ran into uh paul and linda and it said linda had a cell phone which what that that's i don't know <laughs> one of those giant, yeah. one of those giant yeah. brick ones maybe yeah. she was and, probably the first <laughs> but but this got me thinking you know there wasn't a record that disappointed me more than wings at the speed of sound when i was a kid oh really because okay. you know i had you know band on the run Fantastic yes, record, right? Yeah, that is. Um, Venus yeah. and Mars. Venus and Mars okay. was the one. Okay. Sorry, Venus and, Mars, right. Venus and Mars. Venus and Mars was good, and no, then the speed, of, speed of speed of sound. Of sound yeah. And you know, if you remember back then, you couldn't listen to the songs before you bought the record. Right. You oh, maybe yeah. heard one song, that. and you buy this record. <laughs> you do. And sometimes you get home and fantastic, and sometimes you it sucks. A it's a gamble. And then. You know, you put it on and you're like, this sucks. Well, I just paid money for this record. I'm going to keep listening to it because I know. That's what I always say. And then sometimes it wins you over, but not always. No. And then this one with the cook of the house, you know, let them in. Silly love songs. You weren't down with it. And, you know, and I got to thinking, what if I had just known about Bill Nelson at the time (laughs) and bought this record (laughs) instead? I was like. This is the record that would have blown me away. It's still be- that way is still better, though. I don't like the way now that you could sample stuff on YouTube real quick, listen to it real quick, and decide right away if you like it yeah. or you don't, and that's it. That's not that's not the way it should be done. Well, I, oh, I should even... I'll give you my best story of all this one. So in college, or at the end of high school, I heard we used to listen to BRU, uh, Brown University's radio station in Providence. Okay. Anyway, they played Babies on Fire. Babies on Fire. Right. Oh, yeah, right. right so, right. Brian Eno, like, holy crap, I'm, you know, blew me away. Yeah, mind bending. So, I go to uh, Strawberries in Boston, the big record store, because oh, yeah. the little record store didn't have any. They had Eno records, right? Well, they don't have Here Come the Warm Jets. They got these other ones. So, I buy music for airports. Oh, okay. That's not big. The not on that. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. This was, I mean, talk about, like, you weren't, I mean, I would imagine you probably maybe appreciate it more now, but you weren't ready. Oh, ready it for was, it then, yeah, right? yeah. I, 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 <laughs> that was that, not your jam. It was then. like, holy moly, yeah. what the? <laughs> I know, so, that happened. It, <laughs> That's funny. The, yeah, oh, man. Oh, it's like great. the polar opposite of that. Yeah, of yeah, that. yeah. Well, that, uh, that's <laughs> what artists do, you know, when they follow their muse. Sometimes you got to, you know, mm-hmm. you can't go along, sometimes you can't. 
All right, so we get the final song on the record. This one, uh, the beginning of it almost reminded me of a Devo, like a Devo song. Gotta figure Devo is those guys are someone that would have been into him and listened to it because also guys that were into uh, the very great players, technically proficient and also very future looking, forward looking. Uh, so I, I just sort of uh, I, I just sort of got that vibe a little, yep. but uh, yeah, you're right. Yep. Now that you say it, I da 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 da. Yeah, it's exactly. a cool song. Let's listen to Blazing Apostle. mentioned Hendrix and I really I really hear it in this one and you see just in in the whole not just the playing and the vibe uh, of it and And there's a great also one final blazing lead at the end of the song that he goes out on Uh, that's so great yeah no it's a great way to end the album and again I think this was written uh, uh, based off of his his first wife who was a a Pentecostal really did a number on (laughs) that yes yes she did Yes, she did. He seems pretty happy now, though, right? Pretty content and happy. Right? Yeah, it, it, well, that thing that I saw, they were just talking about the record, but he, he did mention again what, you know, what was going on at the time. Oh, so okay, it was, okay. I think this was his outlet for, for everything. But, I mean, that's great that he uh, still made music. And like I said, uh, the Bandcamp, I would uh, recommend anyone who's interested in this at all, go to billnelson.bandcamp.com. I'm sure Bill would appreciate it. I actually... Uh, bought a couple things downloaded some things you could you know sample it all and get it but uh so much cool music uh this guy just uh just like uh very you know had had his own um had his own you could hear you know had his influences but put his own spin on everything and definitely has a unique sound that just i guess fell through the cracks especially here in the united states i guess right yeah it did this this record uh, got to 93 it was uh, it was 17 in the uk and uh, 93 here in the states so oh, okay. uh but like i say they did tour after this and they uh they opened up for 
a number of people, uh, Joe Cocker, Johnny Winter, uh, Alice Cooper, who they said was uh, one hell of a professional act. Yeah. Uh, Leonard Skinner. Who that were, I can't imagine. I, don't, per, I can't imagine the Skinner fans. Perfect uh, gentleman. Kansas Tubes. And so, so the one funny thing is it says is they on the on the next album, they dressed up in suits. And, yes, uh, right, right, right. So they toured in suits. And so it said that they, uh, I got two different conflicting things. One said they opened for Ted Nugent. And, uh, one thing said that they blew Ted Nugent off the stage to the, to the point where, um, uh, Ted had to stop them from opening. You know, he was, he showed him up. But, but then I found back, back, I found an old, uh, review of a concert with, uh, Rush. Who, oh, see, this was back when the reviewer would say the band sucked. You notice they don't do that anymore. You're right. They you're say right. it's yeah. always fantastic. Yep, you're so, right. So Rush, they, they sucked, but the audience loved them. Uh, and then Bebop Deluxe got on and, and they didn't think too much of them uh, attempting to play classy suit and tie rock and roll before Ted Nugent is like giving a starving man a Hershey bar. And oh, this God, card so was, was a racist. So it was uh, Rush, Bill Nelson, and then Ted Nugent. Was yes, yes. Or, 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 or uh, yeah, uh, Bebop Deluxe. And then when Ted got out there, this was loud. Louder than the Stones, louder than the Who. But he is an extremely energetic and aerobic performer. So this made it seem like the crowd, which, which I would expect the Ted Nugent crowd. Oh, yeah. They're going for Ted Nugent. I, so. You know what? I'll tell you what. There's something accurate in there. I, I saw Ted Nugent at the Hollywood Sportatorium when I was a teenager. I went to where it must have been. The, um, what's that album? Why? I don't know. Wangle, Tangle, whatever. I saw him when he wore the loincloth. Uh, uh, the loudest concert I think I've ever been to. Oh, you really? Know, okay. The okay. loudest. Okay. So, I mean, I guess there's something to say for that. So. Well, they did play, actually, the Sportatorium. Uh, I have, the, I found this somewhere. I was able to really? The, Bebop Deluxe I was, did. Yeah, I was able to find the, the dates. Probably opening for someone, right? Yes. Okay. It, they didn't say, uh, but oh, uh, okay, okay. They, they did They did play. Uh, yeah, I got to hear something. But they did play the Sportatorium. They played about four or five times down in South Florida. How long have you, so how long have you been down in South Florida? Like when did you move 20, down? 20 something years. But I, I never went to the Sportatorium. Oh, okay. It was yeah, gone. Yeah. I was, yeah, no, I saw so many shows. Yeah, no, I crazy. wish I wish I wish you had been able to see that. But yeah, no, it was a shithole, actually. But a lot of great bands played. There. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like everybody played there from they what did. I can gather. It was the, it was the yeah. place to play. It was the right. only big place that would fit a lot of the bands that could uh, that would play. All right, so Bill, this was great. Now, now we know each other, and now we're friends. And yes, now we know who you are. So yes, we don't have yes, to be, we are. Uh, and uh, this is a really great record. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure there will be people that appreciated that we did Bebop Deluxe, and then maybe there'll be people that are turned on to it, which I always love doing. And I know people uh, really appreciate that. So thanks, uh, thanks for coming down and doing this with me. Don't forget, everyone. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at That Record Got Me High. Also, that Facebook group got me high on Twitter. It's at TRGMH Podcast. You can email me at trgmh33 at gmail.com. And don't forget, most important, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh. A lot of fun. We're doing another, we're working on another patron curated episode right now. It's great. Another great one. I get so many great submissions and they're all great and they all get on there. So uh, if you become a patron, you can definitely be part of those two. They're a lot of fun. Don't forget, if not, just uh, subscribe whatever you listen to and review us. I have old reviews. I, I mean, I have reviews from when it was Barry, and that's fine, you know, but it says these guys. But it, write some new reviews so it's just me, so people know it's me and that it's still so. Please, if, you, if you've if you never written a review, just go. It's, uh, you can do it right from my website, or you can do it from iTunes. And just write a review. Yeah, like I said, you could make stuff up. It doesn't have to be real. Just make up you know, greatest things since sliced bread. This Rob Elba really knows what he's doing. This is the best show ever, I think. Yeah, I think they're good about something like that. That would be good. 
All right, Bill. Uh, thanks again for coming You're down. You're welcome. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you all next week. I'm Rob Elba. We're out of here.